On episode 73 of the new 8 Days of Geek podcast, Creepshow's coming back, Microsoft Surface Go, and bone-flavored LaCroix. Stay tuned. Back to another episode of the new Eight Days a Geek podcast. I'm your host Jesse Miller, and joining me, as always, the man who keyboard torture tests were made to imitate, <laughs> Sean Scott. I wondered what you were gonna, what you were writing the intro. Yeah. I was like, well, we didn't really talk about anything. But- no, and it was either that or like the man who keyboard manufacturers have nightmares of at night. And that didn't <laughs> that didn't really see it. that didn't roll off the tongue. Neither did that one really. But we talked about nothing, so. Right. I just made the observation that you sound like a jackhammer on a keyboard when you're typing something. I I absolutely agree with that assessment. <laughs> All righty. Uh, welcome back, guys. Uh, let's see. Guys and gals. Let's go ahead and kick into the blurbs. All right. Let's see. The first thing I've got here I threw in because we don't really have a music category on this show. <laughs> And I don't know if we necessarily need one, and I didn't know where else this would go. Uh, but uh, I I read the other day that Rick and Morty and uh, community creator Dan Harmon is going to executive produce a comedy rap album. <laughs> and uh, r- reported here by Deadline, uh, it's a rap album by comedian Rob Tancham. And uh, apparently what happened was uh, Dan Harmon was – he does freestyle raps on his podcast, Harmontown. And this uh, comedian, uh, rapper, um, put one of his long-running jokes to a rap and tweeted it at Dan Harmon who – you know it was played for him on the podcast and he really enjoyed it. So uh, they've come up with this uh, idea for a comedy rap album that they're going to do that he's going to executive produce and – and uh, it will be released on August 21st via Harmon's Indie Starburns Industries uh, spinoff SBI Press. Uh, it will be available via SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify, as well as on cassette tape. <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> which will contain 35 minutes of bonus material. Uh, and then it goes on to say, including alien outtakes, uh, but you don't know what this is about yet, so that doesn't really make a lot of sense. So uh, where is the description of where it says, uh, you know, what this whole album is about? Oh, I don't even see where it says exactly what. So it's it's about like a guy who is like kidnapped by aliens, and uh, you know it's like a it's a concept album uh, called "Disturbed, Depressed, and Inadequate," uh, which comes from a Seinfeld joke. Um, the record sees Tantrum play a depressed loser from Earth who's abducted by alien scientists, played by Harmon and Jeff Davis, who probe his unconscious mind and extract a concept album of self-loathing, id-driven rap songs. 
Uh, and then it so goes on to say the title of the album comes from one of George Costanza's outbursts on Seinfeld after he's coldly rejected by yet another date and features vocal samples from Jason Alexander's Costanza from season four of Seinfeld, as well as samples from Reggie Watts. <clears throat> so uh, this whole thing sounds super outlandish and strange, but uh, also incredibly interesting. And I'd I'm, I'd be interesting to hear some of it like once it's released. So. Yeah, this sounds awesome. I I can't wait. Um, let's see here. It was August 21st. Yeah, yeah August available. 21st. It reminds me a little bit of like there was a, a very short-lived cartoon series out last year, I believe, maybe the year before that, called uh, Jeff and Some Aliens. And it was, you know, uh, it was on Comedy Central, I think. And it was about a guy who, you know, lived with three just really – you know, crappy aliens, uh, you know, who, uh, who, who meddled in his life and things like that. Uh, and there was also a, a show recently too, with, um, uh, Wyatt Cenac from the daily show on TBS where, where he was a news reporter who had been abducted by aliens and stuff like that. So it's, it feels like there's kind of been like a trend, uh, in this kind of, of thing, but, uh, that concept music album, you know, that's something that, that isn't done very often, uh, at least that I'm aware of. So, uh, sounded pretty cool to me. Hell yeah. Next blurb we've got for you is just a quick TV note that doesn't deserve to be talked about really, uh, you know, in depth. Uh, USA announced the cancellation of the TV show colony, uh, after three seasons. Um, I watched like the first season of this show. Maybe uh, it sounded good when it came out. You know, it also had to do with aliens, uh, like a dystopian Los Angeles, I believe, is what it was. After aliens had, you know, like conquered Earth, kind of a thing. Starred Josh Holloway from Lost, and uh, uh, I, 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 I either watched the first season or I didn't even make it through all of the first season, and and we stopped watching it. So it doesn't surprise me, honestly. You know, it surprises me that it made it three three whole seasons. But uh, uh, apparently, one of the big clues to its cancellation before it was announced was the fact that it had zero presence at Comic Con this week. So uh, um, you know, everybody figured that the news was 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 about to be dropped, and and it was. So uh, if you were a fan, you know, it sucks. Um, the the current season finale is all that you'll get. There's nothing else in the works. So, uh, Colony canceled on USA. Hmm. I never got a chance to watch the show. Uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> maybe if uh, maybe it's one of those shows that would be better after you know if I binged all three seasons. But like I said, I didn't. I either finished season one and don't remember it, or just didn't even make it through season one. Um, I read that it suffered from like production problems, like they had to move the production from California to Vancouver at one point. I think it might be in that comicbook.com article. Um, so, uh, you know, there there were issues with the show, and I don't think it ever really caught on the way they expected it to. So, gotcha. All right. Uh, let's see. On to mine. I have one. Um, so, whenever the Uncharted movie. Uh, was being kind of teased as you know they're starting they're going to start writing it and casting it and all this different stuff. Uh, for those those of you who may not know, Uncharted is a game series on the PlayStation platform. It's kind of like if Laura Croft was 
also sort of a thief is Nathan Drake. Um, that's kind of a and, male and a dude. Yeah, a male uh, Tomb Raider who's also not exactly one hundred percent on the level, kind of shifty, kind of a scoundrel, uh, a lovable scoundrel, if you will. Uh, so everyone. Well, and seeing as that Lara Croft is already kind of just like Indiana Jones. So it's, it's really derivative. <laughs> so it's really just like Indiana Jones if he were a criminal, which would sure. really just be like oh, Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones and Han if Solo. He Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's perfect. I'm using that from now on. Indiana Jones meets Han Solo. There you right. go. Um, so yeah, but because of this, and because of honestly, just the way Nathan Drake the character looks, uh, if you look up a picture of him. Everybody, and I mean pretty much everybody, wanted Nathan Fillion to play Nathan Drake. Uh, he's built the same way. He has the same attitude. You know, it's it'd be perfect. Uh, there were talks about Mark Wahlberg playing Nathan Drake. Oh, yeah, that could be. Uh, I just looked him up. Yeah, so that could be Nathan Fillion, sure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and I could also see, like, maybe David Boreanaz. You know, uh, like, I mean, uh, let's be honest here. It's just like, you know, a dark haired, attractive guy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't see. Yeah. But then you take his uh, his square jaw, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then you take his uh, attitude. I see. I don't as, I've never played the game, so I don't know what the see, character his, is. His like attitude is Nathan is ba- basically Malcolm Reynolds. <laughs> right. You know, it's that, you know, kind of a swashbuckly has a code of morals but still a thief on solo yeah exactly <laughs> so um anyway everybody wanted nathan Fillion to play the role they talked about mark Wahlberg maybe being one of the people that they were hopeful for and then it just disappeared you didn't hear anything else about it well nathan Fillion has now had a little fan-made film that has come out with him playing nathan drake and I mean, it's not it's not super long. I think it's uh, well here I'll start. To, okay, it's about fifteen minutes long, give or take. And I mean, it, it looks really good. It it's just a little bitty, um, little big scene with some, you know, some uh, espionage and some uh, interrogation, and then a, a little bitty gunfight and stuff like that. But it's pretty cool. And watching it and then seeing what kind of stuff Nathan Fillion can add to the character of Nathan Drake. It's awesome. Uh, I, I like I, this line in the article where it says, but it feels like uncharted down to a scene in which I half expected to be asked to mash some invisible X button to ensure Nathan's punch connected. Yeah, it does. They, they do such a good job. Like there's one part very specifically where he goes from the inside of a building to the outside and the camera, you can tell when they filmed it, is purposely in a third-person pos- third view. Right. And, I mean, it's still cinematic, so it's just behind him. But you feel like, I'm controlling this character. This is the game. This was a cutscene transition. It's right. now time. You know, he even says, okay, it's time to go. And at that point, you expect to be able to take over control of the character. Uh, and that's when the gunfight ensues. And, I mean, yeah, they did such a great job. Uh, I've tagged uh, or in the show notes. We have a link to the TechCrunch article that has the video embedded in it. 
Uh, definitely go watch it. It's fantastic. It's it's a good 15 minutes worth of fun. And Nathan Fillion's hilarious in it. So Awesome. All right. Gaming. On to Vigi Games. First thing is first. Far Cry 5 Lost on Mars. I'm completely oblivious to the world around me because I didn't honestly know this had come out until today. <laughs> so... Uh, Lost on Mars is the uh, the second DLC the, uh, for the Far Cry series. Uh, if you got the season pass, yay on you. If not, uh, it will cost you uh, ten dollars. So, you know, eh, ten bucks is pretty good. The Vietnam expansion was well worth the ten dollars that it cost. So, I can only imagine Lost on Mars is probably going to be on par as far as content is concerned. Um, it's interesting, the synopsis, uh, let's see here, uh, you, you take on the role of Nick Rise, all right, so it's a, it's a pilot, um, let's see here, you find yourself flying so close to the stratosphere that you're teleported to the red planet by a character named Her Drubum Jr., Herc. Herc was, uh, let's see here, Herc was seemingly on a mission in space, when he was dismembered by Martian arachnids. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah. He says that it's in this article from Android Central. It says, that's right. Lost on Mars is about finding someone's reproductive organ and other weird body parts, too. And then kudos to uh, uh, let's see, Quentin Kin- Kinemer, I think, is who wrote this article in... Uh, Quote, or in uh, parentheses here, he says, the term space junk suddenly takes on a whole new meaning. <laughs> uh, it says, Herc himself is somehow still alive despite being little more than a floating head inside a space helmet. <laughs> so yeah, you have to find his body parts. Uh, you have to reactivate an alien AI that he's fallen in love with and stop the aliens from invading Earth. Uh, you got zero, uh, like a zero gravity belt and a wingsuit that lets you jump really far and fly around. Space weapons, um, and also you get all the assets from the game in Far Cry Arcade, which is kind of the build your own level or play other people's built levels um, gameplay mode. Uh, I can't wait. As soon as I'm done here, I will probably. Uh, update my game and start playing this because I loved the Vietnam one. So, all right, <clears throat> more DLC on the way for another game I just recently started playing and still am horrible, horrible, horrible at. Uh, sea of Thieves. Uh, sea of Thieves have it's kind of cooled down like a lot. When it first came out, it was amazing. Everybody was playing it; it was fantastic. And then they realized there wasn't that much to do. It was open world, but they're just, you know, eh. there was an end game, but frankly, nobody really wants, it's all grinding to get to the end game. There's no actual, you know, meat and potatoes. So the first, um, first of two free add-ons coming this summer has, uh, has basically uh, gotten a date here. Um, let me see if I can find the date, July 31st, uh, and it's called Cursed Sales. Uh, what it does is it will add, um, quote-unquote, terrifying ships with skeleton crews. 
Uh, so those of you who play the game know skeletons are the main um, NPC character that you come up against and have to fight. So now they're going to have their own ships and they're going to be able to fight you, which is going to be great because, you know, you don't always want to take out every ship you see because some of those people are nice people. You don't want to have to take out their ship. Now, this will give you naval battles with skeletons who, you know, you don't care. You'll make them go to Davy Jones's locker. Why not? Um, also gives you a three-person brigantine ship, which will be kind of cool. I don't, uh, I don't know, because right now you have a sloop, which is kind of a one-person ship. Now, it's small enough to be a one-person ship, but two people can definitely pilot it. And then you've got the uh, the ga- the Spanish galleon, which is best with like four players. Um. Let's see if I can look up what a brigantine ship looks like here. Wow, the brigantine seafood and oyster bar. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Google. Yeah, you're awesome, Google. Okay, yeah. So the brigantine, it looks like it's probably right in between, um, right in between a galleon and a sloop. So you'll have like a a two person ship in the sloop. Or, you know, a one or two, and then uh, Brigantine will be a three-person ship, and then the Galleon will be a four-person ship. You know, but if you're ready to run around, you can pilot a Galleon with three people. I piloted a Galleon with one person. Got my ass handed to me, but it's nothing different. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be cool just having different ships to fight against that aren't, you know, people. Uh... Let's see here. Also, it says here that uh, from this Engadget article, you'll want to act quickly if you want to make the most of cursed sales. The campaign associated with the DLC lasts just three weeks. So as soon as it comes out, if you want to actually play the campaign part of the story and not just you know reap the benefits from the skeleton crews and things like that, that's uh, that's when you'll have to play it because since it is an online multiplayer game. You know, campaigns only last for so long. Um, also, sometime in September is when Forsaken Shores is supposed to come out. That's going to add uh, an entirely new region to the game. So that'll be kind of cool. So uh, you got a, you know, you've got an Xbox, Sean. You can play this game. By the way, I'm just saying. There's lots of games I could play. <laughs> <sighs> But he won't. Won't do it. Nope. Uh, all right. I have to tell you something, Trevor. <clears throat> it's time for TV news. Hit me. All right. So the first thing we've got here is a little bit of horror news for you. Um, I'm not a big fan of horse stuff as you know uh and so in the uh, in the intro uh they've announced a reboot of creep show now from my childhood i guess creep show really to me i think of the the um the comic the magazine or whatnot it, um i don't know if as an adult if i've ever sat down and watched the movie, uh, you know, it was made like, uh, let's see, uh, uh, it was made the year I was born, you know, it was made 1982. 
Um, and I'm sure that if I, I'm sure that, uh, would recognize like bits and pieces of it, you know, like from my childhood, I'm sure I've seen it like on channel 11 and in, you know, on the afternoons, like on the weekends or something in edited form. But, uh, but I don't specifically recall the film. Do do you? Oh yeah. I, I used to watch it all the time to be honest. And I'm not a horror movie kind of a person, but I, I very, uh, like what was it? It was, um, Try to remember the one specific. I want to make sure that I'm actually thinking of Creep Show. Right. So it was written by Stephen King, and uh, the movie was an anthology, uh, an anthology film, and it was directed by uh, Night of the Living Dead filmmaker uh, George Romero, mm. uh, and apparently starred uh, Hal Holbrook, Adrian Barbeau, Leslie Nielsen, Ed Harris, and Stephen King himself, of course, uh, yep. because he appears in all of his own stuff. Yeah, I remembered the one where Stephen King turned to a moss man and then blew his head off. Right, I and, believe Ted Danson was also in it. Yep, uh, and I remember the one with uh, Leslie Nielsen when he buries, I think he buries Ted Danson up to his neck in sand. Honestly. Um, and this all sounds vaguely familiar, which is why I feel like if I saw it, like I would have like flashbacks to my childhood, you know? Um, Ed but, Harris. Uh, <laughs> I, I specifically more remember like, you know, the the logo, you know, and seeing it on like the comics and the, and the magazines that oh, they yeah. produced back then, you know, that. That's that that's what really, uh, you know, strikes my memory. So uh, they've announced that they're going to reboot the creep show brand as a series uh, that will be coming from Shudder. And Shudder is apparently a streaming service um, that is owned by AMC Networks, home of The Walking Dead. And they have tapped Greg Nicotero, the Walking Dead executive producer and makeup effects wizard, to direct, executive produce, and supervise the show's creative elements. So, uh, you know, we always talk about pedigree of the TV shows and stuff like that. And, you know, Greg Nicotero has really made a name for – I mean, he was already, a, a, you know, a name in that industry in, in regards to special effects and things like that. But uh, while working on The Walking Dead, you know, he's become an executive producer. He directs episodes. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's really, you know, uh, at, at least from what I've seen, you know, risen in the industry. So it, it seems like, uh, he's a, he's a, a good guy to, to helm something like this. So, uh, I don't know. It sounds pretty cool. I've never heard of shutter before. Is this something that you've ever heard of this, this, uh, service owned by AMC? I haven't. No. There's a link to it in the article from entertainment weekly so let's click on shutter and see what that takes me to it four, takes me to shutter.com four dollars a month you can join in three ninety nine yeah seven days hmm. so apparently it's just like a horror content uh you know streaming service yeah hey if you're into yeah, the genre something I mean, I was four bucks right. is not that bad right so, uh, yes. So that's about it. They said they're shopping it around, I believe, uh, to different streaming services. Uh, all right. No, no, no. That wasn't this one. This one was coming to Shudder. Yeah. So it's scheduled to debut on Shudder in 2019. Uh, each episode will tell original stories and be helmed by a different tarot directing the first episode so uh much like you know any anthology series they're gonna have like a different director for each one each telling a different story um and we'll talk about something similar to this actually later on in the show when we get into the uh, uh what the hell are you up to um something very similar to this actually so 
sounds like something you would be interested in. I mean, obviously, it's on a streaming service you'd have to subscribe to, so I'm I'm immediately out. But uh, you know, sounds kind of cool. Yeah, but I'm not a huge horror guy. I if, wonder if it do they say if, if they're going to do the whole season at once? Oh, I don't know if it said that or not. I, I believe. I mean, if I would just assume any streaming. Well, I guess not all streaming services are like that. There are some that are doing like you know individual content like weekly and things like that. So I didn't really notice, and I already closed out the article, and I don't care to go back. <laughs> so no looking back for Sean. Right. Um, but uh, what I was going to say was that like if if uh, the, the the if there was more comedy you know uh because i'm not i'm just not a big horror fan you know uh, of just like straight thriller horror stuff like that so if if creep show was more amusing uh then i would be far more inclined to watch it uh as well as it not being on a streaming service and uh so and again we'll get into that later when we get into what the hell are you up to so moving on to the next story we've got for you is that the cw has announced an addition to the arrowverse so uh, they had previously announced in the, in this year's giant crossover, um, you know, that they do every year with all the different CW superhero series, that they were going to introduce Batwoman as a character. And CW has now decided that they're going to expand the world in general and that Batwoman will be getting her own television series. Uh, Batwoman will revolve around Kate Kane, who, armed with a passion for social justice and flair for speaking her mind, soars onto the streets of Gotham as Batwoman, an out lesbian and highly trained street fighter primed to snuff out the failing city's criminal resurgence. So, uh, um... Caroline Dries from the Vampire Diaries is attached to pen the script and executive produce. Uh, uh, Greg Berlanti and his Warner Brothers TV-based Berlanti Productions uh, will uh, executive produce along with Sarah Schechter and Jeff Johns. And let's see. A casting notice for the role of Kate will be going out shortly, so they haven't cast Batwoman yet. So... Uh, what do you think about this? Uh, you know, adding Batwoman to the Arrowverse on the CW. You know, uh, they've already got the Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, and Black Lightning. So, I mean, they're and and I've never watched Black Lightning. Um, honestly, I didn't know that it was actually technically a part of the Arrowverse. Like, I thought that it was just a separate series on the CW. I was not aware that it was, uh, you know, tied in together. So, um, and I watch Supergirl, but I'm, I really, it's like my least favorite of all the shows, we'll put it. You know, like, it's like, in fact, I think I still have two episodes from this past season sitting on my TiVo that we haven't finished yet. Like, I, I'm still behind on that show. Like, that's when it falls to the wayside like that. You know, you know you've fallen in my in my echelon of TV rankings. <clears throat> Go back this, to Krypton. <laughs> is this something that you would be, uh, that you would consider? I mean... Yeah, sure. Why not? I give it. I would give it a chance. Uh, I think we definitely need more female uh, superhero. You know, having a four-year-old daughter, we need more female superheroes. Sure. Um, they, we made great strides with Wonder Woman, but we need more. Uh, so I would definitely give it a chance. Hopefully, it's written well and it's not. You know, I, I don't know because I'm like you. Uh, I, tr- I I tried. I gave Supergirl a couple episodes, 
I don't think it's Supergirl the character I don't like. I think it's just Superman, Supergirl. I just don't care uh, for the super superheroes that just. My take on it has been that, like, it began as a show on CBS, if you recall, you know, and after season one, they canceled it, and then CW bought it and moved it to their network and put Berlanti in charge of it, and they had to do some creative, you know, rejiggering to 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 tie it into the to the Arrowverse. Um, I feel that if it had been on CW the entire time. And that the people in charge of Flash and Arrow and Legends Tomorrow and all these other shows had been in charge of it from day one, I think it would be much better. Uh, but for some reason, it has like too much of a prime time. I don't know, like a like a like serious. It just it gives me like almost like a Grey's Anatomy or like a you know like a Desperate Housewives vibe anytime I turn it on. Like it just yeah. it feels different than arrow and flash and legends and those shows do when I watch them, even once it moved to the CW, I feel like it's still carried over that vibe in some way. And, and so I feel like if it had always been on the CW, they would have done a much better job with it. And that's probably the issue there. So that's why I am more inclined to, uh, uh, you know, give this a chance, but it's just another another hour long drama, you know. Uh, I don't know if, if it said it, it, well. Obviously, if they haven't cast this yet, you know, it's not going to debut this season or anything. So I know that, uh, and it's not part of the CW chain. But uh, I know Gotham goes off the air after this season. I believe this is the final year. So you know, maybe by eliminating that show, I can add. Like, I'll eliminate the baby Batman show, and I will add Batwoman to my to my television lineup. You know. <laughs> I have to make some cuts, you know what I mean? Like I I, just, I can't uh, I can't watch everything. So who are we uh who are we liking for the role of Batwoman? Oh, I don't know what she's supposed to look like. So, uh hold on. Was there a picture of her in that article there? <clears throat> well, she's just a, you know, red-headed uh just, <laughs> I mean, the, she's very nondescript technically. I mean, Right, you know, yeah. There's like a tiny hair, little thumbnail. But you can dye people's hair, so that's not a big deal. Well, sure, sure, sure. Um, okay, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know anything about the particular character um, other than what they said. You know, she's a street fighter and out lesbian. Um, that's all they tell you. The, those two things is all. That. <laughs> um. Oh, let's see. I'm trying to see how old she's supposed to be. Yeah, give me an age range or, you know, something about her. <sighs> Cuz I think she's yeah. supposed to be her late late 20s, early 30s, I think in the um, in the comics. I'm not positive though. Kate Kane DC. I just want to see like some pictures of her maybe other than like, you know, there's her in the mask. Okay. Okay. So usually she looks like she has short hair when she's not Batwoman. Yeah, it looks like um according to a lot of different chatter, uh it's it's looking like uh mid to late twenties into early thirties. Um sure. roughly about you know, just a little just a smidgen younger than Bruce Wayne, but almost the same age. Okay. So you're not looking for a, a young, young actress, but you're, you know, you're keeping it in the... Right. 
in the mid-range there. Hmm. Has to be willing to have her hair dyed red, and it's gonna be an actiony roll. And have to be willing to jump around. <laughs> jump around. Jump around. <laughs> I. You said it. <laughs> I don't think um, I did. <laughs> I don't really have any suggestions. I'm. I always find it hard to just you know cast people like that. Um, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. I'm sure that there's like a you know a bunch of different people. I'm trying to think of like TV actresses, you know, because but all that comes to mind are like you know big name movie actresses. Yeah. But you're not going to get like an A-list actress to be on a CW TV show about Batwoman. Uh, so that's why it's kind of hard to cast somebody for something like this, you know, because it's going to be it, it most likely is going to be an actress that you're like, oh, I know her from that thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not really it mo- probably won't be somebody that, you know, or is like super famous, even in the television world. You know, uh, it's not like the CW brings in, you know, a list television actors to play these roles either. Had you ever seen the kid who played the Flash before in anything? I think he was in Glee. I had never seen Glee before. But, you know, uh, again, if unless you watched Glee, you'd be like, oh, he's that guy who I think I saw in a commercial for Glee one time. <laughs> uh, I don't know what uh, Stephen Amell did before he was on The Flash either. I don't know if I'd seen him in anything. That was so long ago. I I have a couple ideas. I don't know how good they really are. All right, give me your ideas. I don't, I don't know much of what a lot of them are in. Um, but you've got uh, Emily Van Camp. That name sounds familiar. Only, and I I come up with that only because she is um, Agent Thirteen in the Marvel Universe. But Agent Thirteen isn't a giant movie role, so she's been she has a lot of TV chops too. Um, she she's kind of on my bottom of the list. All right, I'm gonna you have got, to look her up. I got, don't know who Agent Thirteen is. Uh, Emily, she's like the one person that watches over Captain America when he's first bringing. Yeah, gotcha. Um, okay, another one I was up. thinking be just because I haven't seen her in anything lately, so I don't know what she's doing. Um, okay. Let's see here. You know what? I think I'm going to veto that one because I don't think she really fits. <laughs> However, um, The Walking Dead. I don't watch it, so I don't know. Right. I don't know exactly how uh, how integral she is to this. But Lauren Cohen. She plays Maggie. She's, you know, pretty damn integral. Okay. Um Cause she's but, got, uh, she's got the perfect, like just looking at her face, just looking at her face compared to, uh, pictures of Batwoman. Okay. Her smile I mean, she's to good. me she, says, She's been great on Walking Dead. I mean, yeah. uh, she's British if that helps I, you in any way or deters you in any way. Uh, just like a lot of people on that show were. I think she might be leaving soon, you know, like they've announced that Andrew Lincoln is leaving the show, but I think 
I think her role in the show has been reduced as well. So she might be on her way out. And you know, with The Walking Dead, people are dying all the time. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, yeah, maybe. Okay. And then someone from uh, MTV's Teen Wolf, uh, Holland Roden. I don't know that one at uh, all. Just because she has red hair and looks the part. I don't know what her chops are as for I don't watch Teen Wolf, but these are people in the general age range that I could see, you know, in the in the outfit basically. Right. So, who knows though? I mean, yeah. It's going to be a tough one to cast. Um and it's a big role to take on, you know. Anybody who plays anything in the what would you call it? Like the bat mythos, <laughs> uh, you know, Batman, Batwoman, you know, even any, any, any character in that entire universe, you know, like you're stepping into some, you're going to have uh, either big roles or you know, big shoes to fill, depending on, you know, which role you've taken on, or you're just going to have people picking you apart no matter what, you know, everybody loves Batman and the Batman universe. So, Oh yeah. Uh, it's definitely, uh, it's probably a harder role to take on than taking on something like, you know, oh, I'm going to play so-and-so on Legends of Tomorrow. You know, like, what? Yeah. Like, I d- didn't even know what Legends of Tomorrow was before they made it into a TV show, you know? So. All right. So we'll stick with DC, uh, but from Batman to something else. Uh, we talked recently that DC was opening their own um, you know, streaming service. And we discussed some of the costs that had been announced <clears throat> on that service. And they just announced yet another series to uh, debut. And it will be from former DC Entertainment boss Jeff Johns, who we mentioned earlier as well. Uh, he will write and executive produce a 13-episode scripted original series based on uh, the comic star girl uh which i believe was his own creation um yeah it kicked off his comic book career in 1999 it says uh that print series was inspired by his late sister who was killed in a 1997 explosion wow that's weird i had no idea like did you know anything about that i did not kind of dark and weird yeah so uh, here's the official log line for the Stargirl series. A high school sophomore, Courtney Whitmore, who inspires an unlikely group of young heroes to sons of the past. This new DC Universe series reimagines Stargirl and her very first superhero team, the Justice Society of America, in a fun, exciting, and unpredictable series premiering in 2019, produced by Warner Brothers Television, Mad Ghost Productions, and Berlanti Productions. Um, so this goes along with the stuff we talked about earlier. Like Titans, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing. I think Swamp Thing was what we specifically talked about, really. Um, and in addition to this, at Comic Con, uh, DC also announced the price for this streaming service. So I figure we can just talk about that for a quick second here. And they've announced that beginning this fall, you can purchase it for seventy-four ninety only way you can get it until the service is completely fully launched and I don't know what they mean by fully launched but once it's fully launched you can subscribe for 7.99 a month but if you want to pre-order everything it's 74.99 for the whole year 
with come with the added bonus to, of three free months. Yeah, it comes out to uh, six dollars twenty five cents a month if you figure it out by twelve months. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, and then it says like those three those pre-orders come with an added three free months thrown in on top. So I guess you could really go, you know, divided that 75 by 15 months technically. So it probably is a better deal, obviously to pre-order. Um, but you know, it's one of those things like, do you know, do you want to invest that much in a streaming service that, you know, is sick, you know, yeah, that may um, or not be good. You never know. Right. Right. So, if you're a fan, that's for you. Um, obviously, I am not a fan and don't know much about the the Star Girl series in general, or I would have known that it was based on you know such a dark event in real life. Yeah. All righty. All right. The last thing we've got for you is kind of two stories, and both centering around sci-fi geek king joss whedon um so there have been two announcements recently involving him or his creations uh the first one being joss whedon returning to television himself uh for a series at hbo called the nevers um I'm not familiar with the Nevers. Uh, I guess this – is this something that is brand new? I'm not sure if this was uh, – I think it says he created this. So um, HBO won the bidding rights. It's an epic science fiction drama about a gang of Victorian women who find themselves with unusual abilities, relentless enemies, and a mission that might change the world. Whedon will serve as writer, director, and executive producer and showrunner on The Nevers. So uh, this is the first time he's done anything like that since Dollhouse on Fox. Uh, you know, he's been working in the Marvel Universe and feature films and things like that. Now he's executive producer, I believe, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but his brother actually, you know, is, I believe, the showrunner, uh, Jed Whedon. So, you know, he hasn't been on television for quite a while, and this will be, you know, this is kind of kind of neat, you know, to see Joss Whedon come back and write, direct, executive produce, showrun, you know, the whole shebang, uh, and HBO, you know, anytime HBO picks something up, this has gone straight to series, by the way, you know, they didn't just order a pilot, anything like that. This is, this was picked up and gone straight to series. So, um, they mentioned in the article that, you know, this is like the first time that, uh, HBO was beaten by someone, uh, specifically Netflix, I believe in, in Emmy nominations by, you know, one single content producer, uh, for the last, I don't know, decade or something like that. So uh, uh, maybe Joss will will bring a little magic to back to HBO, especially since you know they're going to be losing Game of Thrones in the next year or so, and you know they're clearly making a push to bring in some uh, big name talent because we also talked several podcasts ago about J.J. Abrams doing a new series for HBO as well. So you know they're they're obviously out there looking for some uh, some big name talent to to fill some content holes they may have at HBO. Okay. Yeah, I I haven't heard of The Nevers. It sounds really interesting. And yeah, I like Whedon's writing, so... I think it's an original creation. I uh, think I read that in, in one of the articles when this popped up on my news feed. 
Uh, and it says here in this one, yeah, the the Whedon announcement comes uh, comes after Netflix snapped HBO's 18 year streak as the most nominated outlet at the Emmys. That's impressive. 18 years straight. Ha ha. <laughs> right. Uh, HBO will now have the first original series from genre favorites Whedon and J.J. Abrams. Uh, yeah, that was Demi Monday was the name of that show. Uh, and then we've also discussed this, that the cabler is developing Alan Moore's beloved graphic novel, The Watchmen, from Damon Lindelof uh, in, into, a, into a series as well. So HBO's got a lot of cool things in the works, it sounds like. You know? uh, they're not letting the, uh, you know, the, the, the Game of Thrones loss uh, go uh, unanswered, I guess you could say. In regards to sci-fi, fantasy kind of kind of content, um, they got all that AT and T money now. I think, don't they? Right. Yes. Uh, uh, and as a new corporate parent, AT and T is eyeing a larger and broader expansion to compete with media behemoths, including Netflix, Apple, and Amazon. So yeah, you're right. They got all that AT and T money rolling in now, and like it's not like HBO didn't have money before, but you know, now you got AT and T money to go throwing around and 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 steal some of these guys away from you know Netflix or Amazon. Hell yeah! All right. And then the second news announcement in the Joss Whedon verse, the one I saved for last, uh, is that Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the most famous Whedon work of all time, uh, will be getting a reboot. So Joss has cut a deal with 20th Century Fox Television and hired Monica Awusu Breen uh, to pen the script for the reboot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Monica Awusu Breen uh, worked. <laughs> it's, 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 it, I'm not sure. I can't, like, every time I look at her name, it's written as like Awusu Dash Breen. Uh, yeah, but it also happens to be at the end of a sentence every time I see it. And I'm like, well, now, wait a second. Is her name hyphenated or is it just being broken up with a hyphen because it's the last word in the sentence? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, this is so weirdly written. But uh, uh, so she last worked with Whedon on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and has been hired to write this adaptation. They've decided that they are going to reboot the series and that Buffy will be an African-American this time. And I believe in the original series there was uh, a, an African-American slayer. You know, obviously Buffy wasn't uh, a black girl, but they had uh, um, a slayer that was at one point because, you know, Buffy died and then multiple the following people became slayers at one point. Things like that. You- um, so, you know, not the first time that they've included that kind of thing in the in the the Buffy the Vampire storyline, but kind of cool to see that they're going to make the lead character that this time. Um this was the one that I think that we were that I that I mentioned earlier. They were um, gonna take it out and sell it to streaming and cable networks. You know, they haven't they haven't found a home for this yet. So, Fox uh, 20th Century Fox Television has agreed to produce it and cut a deal to create the show, uh, but they still need to take it out and sell it to either a streaming service or a cable network. Which uh, I believe this article says, or you know, one of the articles I read, uh, you, they're just expecting a bidding war at this point based on you know 
who it is and what it is and you know everyone's fervor over reboots and everything recently so uh much like batwoman there has been no casting yet so we don't know who exactly is going to play buffy um but uh and it's unclear if uh joss whedon will have any additional role on the show um other than you know his role as executive producer and original creator so gotcha. uh, were you a big fan of the original buffy did you watch it owusu i think you were right with the owusu 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 yeah um i was not i i remember watching the movie uh never watched the show it just i don't know i'm not sure why uh, I don't well, know if I, mean, I actually you know had that a the reason. movie and the show were very, very different things, yeah. right? You know, well, so yeah, I mean, like Joss was involved in the movie, but if I recall the story correctly, like he had like creative differences while they were making the movie, and I believe he left uh, the production at one eventually, and and it was completed and done really without his direct involvement. And that's why he, you know, redid it as the TV show that we know, uh, which became a success. Like the TV show was a very different thing than the movie was. Um, I liked the TV show, but now, now I was not, a, I, I didn't watch it. I wasn't like a huge fan of it until like it had been on TV for several seasons. You know, I never got into it. And then like maybe a season or two before its end, I think was when I started watching it. And then of course I watched angel when they spun angel off and it was a really good show as well. So I guess it really depends on what network this ends up on, you know. If they take this to a streaming service like YouTube Red or something like we've discussed before, you know, uh, I'm not going to pick up a new streaming service just for this. But if it ends up on Hulu or Netflix or something like that, then, you know, sure, I'll, I'll give it a chance. Okay. I I mean, I I don't know. I may give it a chance. It, it, I'm very fickle when it comes to TV. There are a lot of times I won't watch a show and I get a bad um, impression of it. For no reason whatsoever. I'll admit that. There are TV shows I refuse to watch, and I have absolutely no basis <laughs> on why I won't watch them. Just some of them, I don't know. I just feel like I'm not... Like Smallville was like that. Um, I never watched Smallville. I have absolutely no inkling to watch Smallville at all. I don't have a basis for it, other than it just seems very Dawson's Creek with superpowers. It was. It, it absolutely was. I mean, it 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 had its ups and downs. Uh, I believe season four was absolutely atrocious. Um, but and and also, it's it's kind of a daunting task too, even for someone who binge watches stuff. Like, you know, I tell people all the time, I love Supernatural. I love that show. If you've never watched Supernatural, you should watch Supernatural. But then when you go on, you know, Netflix or Hulu or wherever it's at, and you're like, oh damn, there's freaking. 13 years of this TV show on a primetime network where they do 20 episodes a season, you know, that's a whole lot of content to watch. You know, that's a lot of years of TV shows to catch up on. So, you know, is Smallville, it was Smallville <clears throat> fun and worth it to watch for the 10 years it was on TV. Some years, yes, some years, no. Is it worth 
spending that many hours to go back and watch 10 years of that show? Was it that good? I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I watched it for 10 years, but I've never watched it since, you know, since the moment it went off the air, I've never gone back and watched a rerun of it. I've never even thought like, Oh, I should sit down and rewatch Smallville. Never. Um, but I enjoyed it while it was on. So I don't know. Take that for what it's worth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. All righty. Now, tech news. Sean, uh, you're a Microsoft fanatic, fanboy. No, I wouldn't say fanatic. Sheep. I mean, I w- I'll let you. I-, I would go with that before I would say fanatic, because a fanatic would make it sound like you know, like I own a bunch of Microsoft stuff, and you know that I only own technology that's been around for like seven years or was yeah. given to me for free. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Microsoft has released a new Surface tablet. It's called the Surface Go. Uh, a little bit smaller, a little bit cheaper, a little bit more uh, skimmed down. Uh, let's see here. A low end of the Surface line starts at $399, which uh, the regular one, regular Surface Pro starts at $799. So that cuts it down quite a bit. Um, not nearly as far as the $330 for the uh, iPad, the 9.7-inch iPad that's available, but gets it pretty darn close. And you get a, you know, a reasonably a full Windows operating system on this one as opposed to iOS. So it's a, um, uh, let's see, 10-inch display, uh, has the ability to use the pen, you know, that Surface has, um, 1.15 pounds, uh, so it's lighter than all the other Surfaces, but, uh, you know, it's still, it's still a decent little chunk. I mean, it's a, it's a tablet, it's not going to weigh as much as a, as a phone, so you just got to get used to that idea. Um... Let's see here. Uh, it comes with four to eight gigabytes of RAM, depending on your configuration, and 128 to 256 gigabytes of storage. Uh, you got Windows Hello facial recognition to log in, things like that. Uh, it has its own uh, keyboard case that you can buy. Of course, it doesn't come with it, and it's another, I think, $100, yeah. Uh, same kickstand, you know, stand-up thing that it uh, that all the surface pros have had with the smaller footprint though i'm hearing a lot of people saying that it's a little bit harder to type on than a regular pro uh simply because you know i mean smaller tablet smaller case smaller keyboard people with big hands will have a problem uh, i know i have the uh ipad pro 10 inch and i have the smart keyboard that comes with it for short uh, emails, uh, quick articles, short stories, you know, revising a script, whatever. That'll that'll do it. It'll work. But it's definitely a cramped typing experience. And with this being also a 10-inch display, I can't imagine it would be much better. Um, they are keeping around the Microsoft Surface port, which is the proprietary port for charging and connectivity and everything. That's kind of a bummer. Uh, seeing this USB-C is kind of, you know, the thing now. I don't understand why they didn't go with a USB-C port, one or two of them even. Um, you know, then you can use your your dongle life stuff and um, get all kinds of ports from a USB-C. But, hey, whatever. 
Um, Service Go should be coming out August 6th, um, and it will have Windows 10 S on it, which, you know, is the um, kind of the lockdown, uh, only install things from the Windows or from the Microsoft Store version of Windows, kind of aimed at education uh, more than anything. And, uh, you know, with uh, if you want to, it's a one-time thing that you can upgrade to the full version of Windows, you know, the standard non-S version. Um, I don't know if that, uh, I don't know if that incurs a price or what it is. They don't say in this article here. And I, it's been so long since they debuted Windows 10 S that I don't remember right offhand. Um, obviously if they're going for education, $400 without the keyboard is still a little steep, I think for most schools, uh, especially when, you know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of schools will welcome the um, competition and using a full Windows desktop as opposed to using something like iOS on an iPad is more beneficial for children than, you know, having them use an iOS operating system because they're not going to see that as much as a Windows desktop in the corporate world and in everyday life, really, when it comes right down to it. Uh, however, I think that price difference is really going to cause it some problems, uh, because schools, when it comes down to buying equipment like this, it is really down to the nickels and dimes. And, um, you know, also on top of that, you know, iPads are, I, I believe the iPad is thinner, lighter, you know, has uh, has a few more apps that can uh, run because you are, like I said, you are limited to the Microsoft Store with this one. Um, now, schools probably don't care as much about that, but you know, if your app, if the app that your teachers want to use to give out books or whatever is on iPad and not on the Microsoft Store, kind of makes a decision for you. So, uh, being four hundred bucks, Sean, are you even the least bit interested in <clears throat> something like this? Um, I mean, it's technically a Windows PC, right? And I was gonna say that, like, honestly, I mean, I own an iPad now, so I have an opinion on these kind of things, I guess. And but I don't think I paid, you know, a whole lot less than that for the iPad that I've got. You know, uh, like you said, the what is the nine point seven is three twenty nine now. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I I think that's what I've got is just like the standard like you know base model cheapo ipad it is uh so and i bought it last christmas and i think you know prices back then were probably right around that same price point maybe a little bit higher um and if this is you know a tiny bit bigger you know because you said the ipad's 9.7 so this was 10 yeah you know so it's slightly bigger uh it it has a i can have a full microsoft operating system on it i mean honestly it doesn't sound like that bad of a deal to me you know, uh, and me being someone who just freaking hates Apple, uh, you know, I would honestly, yes, I would absolutely consider buying. Like if this iPad broke again, uh, because it has already died once in the seven months that we've owned it, uh, I would absolutely consider purchasing something like that, uh, as, as a new tablet because I am now sold on, you know, the need for having a tablet. Really, just for fantasy baseball purposes, but uh, a tablet is very handy. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, as far as a tablet that runs a full Windows OS with decent specs, I mean, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna be playing, uh, you know, Crisis on Ultra settings, but you know, I mean, it, it will do okay. Now, when you now what you said about the, the like the App Store and stuff, you know, if that like I haven't owned my a, a Windows phone, you know, you know, in uh, probably what I don't know five years now or so, something like that, um, four years maybe. But uh, back then, uh, you know, the Microsoft Store, I had a Windows phone. So, you know, I was constantly, you know, using their services and it was crap. I mean, every app on there was garbage and they didn't have 90% of the apps I went to look for and it was just awful. Now, hopefully in the last four years, things have changed and, you know, uh, all at least all the big apps can at least be uh, available on the Microsoft because, I mean, that was a that, that was you know, like there were like major apps that you couldn't even get on the on the Windows store back then. It was it was pretty ridiculous. So that is a detriment. You know, that that scares me when you mention that. You know, the fact that, oh, well, I won't have because I have an Android phone now and I have an iPad. So, like, I have two different devices where I can access, like, the largest app services, you know, or or the largest collection of apps uh, there are. And the thought of using Microsoft's is very worrisome. Yeah. And I mean, okay, so I found uh, let's see here. Okay, so there is a a thing here on LaptopMag.com. That shows how to switch from Windows 10 S, which is what this uh, Surface Go comes with, uh, to the full version of Windows. And they say it is free to do so. You just have to go, you have to click on a couple places in the settings, and it will change you from Windows 10 S to Windows 10 Pro for free. So changing to the full, complete, 100% Windows 10 is not it's not a complicated thing. And apparently it doesn't cost anything. So at that point, you're not limited to anything. It's just like if you had Windows 10 on a regular computer. You can install apps from anywhere. You know, ah, install any yeah. app you want. Okay, like that. good so point. It, yeah, it turns right. it into no, it's a, a it's, computer. It's a computer, yeah. right. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. So even yeah, I'd 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 be sold right away. I think it's a pretty decent deal, actually. I don't usually have uh, opinions on this kind of stuff, but I think that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, four hundred bucks. I think it's uh, if you're looking for a Windows tablet, you I would look very seriously at this one because uh, yeah, I think if you're I mean if you're wanting a laptop replacement, you're going to want one of the bigger ones probably, unless you have small hands, then it won't matter. But if you have reg- if you have uh, larger hands, probably look for one of the bigger ones, like the Surface Pros or you know something like that. But if you're looking for a budget Windows 10 tablet, um, it's always best to go first party because they're more optimized for the operating system. I know there's a lot of really cheap um, in both price and product <laughs> out there that have Windows 10 on them. But yeah, 400 bucks. This is not bad. We'll see. All right, talking about new stuff. A lot of my tech news today, there's not a whole heaping large amount of stuff that's going on in tech right now. A lot of it is products, all kinds of products. So Apple has released their new MacBook Pros. Um, I say new, but it's just a refresh. Uh, there's not, you know, they look exactly the same. Um, so 
you just get more stuff inside. Uh, let's see here. The 15-inch Pro uh, will come with a 6-core, 8-generation i7 or i9. And, hallelujah, the ability to go to 32 gigabytes of DDR4 RAM and up to 4 terabytes of SSD storage. Uh, so the top-of-the-line processor can run at 2.9 gigahertz with a turbo boost of up to 4.8 gigahertz. And the GPOs are Radeon Pros with 4 gigabytes of video memory. Uh, when fully specced out, according to the version, <laughs> the 15-inch model costs an eye-popping $6,699. Um, but the base model is still the same, you know, 2400 bucks. Which is still absurd to me. Well, so. and we'll I'll talk about some problems that they've been having at the end of this um, that make these probably not such a great deal. Uh, 13-inch model gets uh, quad-core i5 or i7. Clock speeds from 2.7 gigahertz to 4.5 on Turbo Boost. And they use Intel Iris 655 graphics with 128 megabytes of ED RAM. So that's, uh, I believe that's when it shares the RAM that's actually in your computer. Uh, and they have up to two terabytes of storage. Uh, base model pricing here is still at the $1,800 range. Uh, because they moved to DDR4 memory, they have bigger batteries, but the same battery life. Because Apple has to try to keep that 10-hour battery life as uh, advertised. You don't get any more ports. Still got the four on the 15. Uh, you still got the four in the headphone jack, four USB-Cs. Um get the two tr the true tone display which is where your display changes colors um according to the light around you Sh this is probably kind of nice for mo for your average user but these are MacBook Pros we have con we have constantly been berating Apple about that moniker if it's a MacBook Pro and professionals are going to use it they don't want the true tone display you can turn it off but it's on by default, and it's kind of an annoyance because if you deal with color and graphics and video and things like that, you don't want your display changing color all the time. It's just not good. So, yeah, take it or leave it. My iPad has it. I don't use it. The third-generation butterfly keyboard, you know, the keyboard they've had so much problem with because if you so much as sneeze in its general direction, it stops working. Yeah, that keyboard. Um, they have put a silicone membrane underneath the keys now to keep dust from or to help keep dust out of them. Uh, this also has the extra added benefit or detriment, depending on your opinion, of making the keyboard quieter. I've seen tests; it's not that much quieter, but it is. I a bet it wouldn't be quiet if I typed on it. No, nothing quiet if you type on it. I don't think. I don't know if you could actually type on a Mac keyboard because it has almost no travel, and as hard as you hit, you'd probably hurt yourself. <laughs> um, so. The big thing that's been coming out of all of this is that uh, people are just shitting a brick because the i9 version, and even to a point, the i7 version of the 15-inch MacBook Pro has incredibly bad thermal throttling when it comes under extreme loads. Thermal throttling is what happens when a laptop hits a certain thermal threshold to uh, a certain temperature, it actually scales back the power on the CPU to try to compensate. It ramps the fans up and tries to cool itself down, but 
if it can't do that, it has to pull the CPU power down and slow the CPU down in order to make up the difference. Um, the i9, I'm sorry, but the i9 was never made to go in a laptop this thin. Even if you are milled out of a solid block of aluminum, you're not going to be able to dissipate the heat in something you know, this tiny. So, I mean, a lot of... I see both sides of the argument that people are having that the i9... You know, Apple gave us an i9, but it doesn't really work because there are a lot of times when it has to throttle itself back so far that it's almost on par with the last generation of the MacBook uh, Pro 15-inch. The uh, the one, one side of it that I see is that people are saying, well, it's because the people who are testing this are doing the, all their testing and things like Premiere Pro and After Effects and all these apps that aren't optimized for the Apple operating system. They're not made to they're not made for the Mac and all this stuff, you know, if you used Apple's applications like Final Cut, it doesn't throttle nearly as bad. I don't agree. I mean, I agree that that's probably why it's throttling, but I don't agree with the fact that, you know, you should have to use Final Cut if you're on a Mac. I've used both. Premiere, I'm going to get flamed for this. Premiere is better. <laughs> if you're a Final Cut user, you like Final Cut, and Final Cut is better to you. It's a personal opinion thing, but you know, I use Premiere, which is why I had to switch from my MacBook to a Dell XPS 15, because the MacBook just couldn't keep up. Uh, so, yes, I understand that if you use a first-party app, it won't throttle as bad because it is optimized for that. However, you don't change the software you're using just because you buy a different laptop. And if somebody is used to Premiere, they're going to use Premiere. And it should probably be not it should probably be, you know, in the in the um product manufacturer's general guidelines that they're, you know, trying to reach a large audience and not make it to where your laptop gets hot enough to burn your leg if you're using an app that's not made by them. So yeah, there's a there's a lot. I mean, I mean a lot of uh complaining going on about how hot the i9 gets and the fact that it does thermal throttle. So, if you're looking for new a new MacBook, uh, keep that in mind. You know, the um the i7 is a 6-core processor. So, it doesn't create as much heat as the i9 that might be a better route to go for you. Um you know, there's just no way to cool a processor that hot in a chassis this small. So, uh, also, if you're if you're uh, going up to the four terabytes of SSD storage, that four terabyte SSD can cost you thirty two hundred dollars. <laughs> like the price of a second laptop, you could buy two of these laptops for the price of the one laptop and a four terabyte SSD upgrade. So keep that in mind. Do you really need it? I'm sure you're running out to grab one of these, aren't you? All of this sounds ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, I know how much you love Apple. I can hear, I can just feel the Apple love just streaming off of you. All right. Uh, you're actually responsible for this one. 
I am. Uh, we may have a new streaming giant in the mix. It was recently announced. What uh, have you looked at? And did you look? Did you click on this one already? Uh, I'm looking at the article right now. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, like, what giant company do you think would like to jump into the midst of all of this mess? You know, this is uh, what I would suggest. What what company could possibly have? say you know what we'd like to fight with netflix and amazon uh and that company would be walmart and walmart is mulling a move into the subscription vod business to take on the likes of netflix and amazon prime video according to a published report according to a report by the information which I couldn't link to because they demanded my email address to read their article. Sorry, the information. Uh, Walmart is contemplating introducing a streaming video product with the price point of $8 per month as well as launching a free ad-supported video service. Um, so this would be $8 a month where Netflix's standard HD plan is currently ten ninety nine. And it would be ad supported. So uh, that's kind of where my, uh, you know, my first reservation comes in because isn't the whole point of the, at least the streaming services that I, I, I deal with the ads on Hulu, but sometimes they really frustrate me. And, uh, you know, I truly appreciate the lack of ads on Netflix. So, um, I don't know how I feel about, you know. I would rather pay $10 a month for ad-free than $8 a month for ad-supported. Right. Or at least have the option, you know. Right, right. What, uh, so what right. I'm wondering is there's a part in this article that says Netflix and Amazon are seen as more popular with people on the east and west coasts of the United States, according to a source cited by the information. Walmart believes there is an opportunity to roll out a cheaper service for consumers in the middle of America, per the report. We're not a bunch of podunk hillbillies in the middle of America, for God's oh, sake. Oh, look, I get everything Jesus. from Walmart. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I got Netflix. I got Amazon. Come on, guys. I've got Hulu, you know. I don't know. I feel like, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. So <laughs> that kind of rubs me the wrong I way. Would, here's what I here's what surprised me. <clears throat> I was not aware of this because here's a streaming service that I do have. Uh, is that Walmart already has its foot in the digital entertainment door? In 2010, it acquired movie streaming service Vudu. I did not know that Walmart owned Vudu. Oh yeah, that's why they give and, you free Vudu rentals of uh, movies whenever you buy a DVD there. Oh, well, I mean, I don't really go to Walmart and buy DVDs, so I didn't know that. Oh, you know? I go to Walmart all the time. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> so, yeah, I had no idea that Voodoo uh, was owned by Walmart. So, uh, you know, apparently they've already got their foot in the door here, you know. And, and all of this is just uh, uh, talk right now. There's There's been no official announcement, and Walmart refused to comment on, on the, the reports in this article. So, uh, you know, we don't know anything other than that. But I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on, the, you know, as with any streaming service, you know, I'm not going to discount any of the streaming services like this or YouTube Red or 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 what was that Shudder from earlier? Well, it was only horror content like it's all about the content, you know, and and if YouTube Red keeps putting shows on there, like I said, that 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 interest me and that I think look pretty good, then, you know, yeah, you may eventually drag me in. It took a long time, but I eventually subscribed to Hulu. Right. You know, uh, and all it took was Netflix 
shit in the bed and 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 dropping so many different television shows that I enjoyed watching that I I, I felt it necessitated a, a, you know the purchase of a subscription to Hulu so you know I mean all you got to do is if you if you feel you can compete then go ahead and give it a try but uh, it it takes a lot to at least to win me over you know all right yeah I mean I would I don't know if it gives me a free trial, I would try the free trial. But I don't know if I need another streaming service. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. Last thing in the tech news section that we got. Um, do you have uh, Do you have any Roku devices, Sean? No, I do not. Okay. So Roku is a pretty big player in the streaming box game. And I like I have several Roku's. Um, I have two Roku TVs. Uh, one of my biggest TVs in my house is a Roku TV. I love Roku products. Uh, disclosure: I'm not getting paid to say this. Although Roku, if you're looking for a new spokesperson, you know I'm I'm available on weekends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, however, they are um, putting out a new product. Uh, see. They don't really have an actual product name here other than Roku TV wireless speakers. So if you have a Roku TV or, you know, anything like that, they connect to uh, the Roku over Wi-Fi and they play whatever audio is going through the Roku or the Roku TV. Basically, I mean, this is not they're saying this is not for people who want like a high fidelity sound system, surround sound, audio file counting the megahertz and the kilohertz and the signal type people. That, that's not for the, what this is for. What this is for is for people who would, for instance, buy a sound bar, you know, for uh, your TV or something like that. Somebody who just wants, you know, TV speakers nowadays, it's almost like they're an afterthought. Like they expect, That's all I have is a sound bar. See, and they, it's almost like they expect you to buy a sound bar. Well, because and, the speakers and a so subwoofer. I have a, I have a sound bar and a subwoofer. Okay, so this would basically, if you had a Roku TV, this would take the place of that. You basically set them up, plug them into power, and they connect to the Roku TV. Um, you know, they're, uh, they're two speakers with a little remote to adjust audio uh, independently, it looks like. And, I mean, from what I've seen in reviews, uh, you know, pre-production reviews, they do exactly what they're supposed to do. Uh, you know, they pair to it, give it a nice full sound as opposed to the tinny crap that comes out of TV speakers nowadays. Um, so you'll be able to buy them from Roku.com in October. Uh, and let's see here. According to The Verge, in October, the two speakers bundled together with both both the voice remote and the touch remote will cost $200, which is not bad in the game of you know, sound bars, really. Um, but custom, but customers can pre-order them today for an introductory first week price of 150 with a second longer pre-order option uh, starting on July 24th, which is a uh, day after this debuts, through October 15th, and that will cost 180 So if this sounds like something you might be interested in, you better head over to Roku.com and try to get in on the, the cheaper option. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it seems, seems like a good, interesting thing for me. I, I have a Roku TV. It'd be nice for it to be a little, uh, better on the sound. I don't know if my wife or daughter would appreciate that since it's in my office and I tend to watch action movies, but 
We'll see what happens. Yeah, I might have to go over there and order these. Let's see if the... Let me go to Roku real quick. <clears throat> see if they are still available. Roku. Hey, look at that. Um, oh, okay. So, according to the website, this will come out. You guys will be listening to this. If you get it the day of, it'll be July 23rd. Um, as of right now, it says uh, $150 for the set and the two remotes. For uh, It ends on 723 So, that is as of when you listen to this today, uh, if you're listening right on time. If not, you know, down the road, uh, they'll you'll still have the ability to get them for the 180, and then when they release totally, it'll be 200. So, yeah, I might have to pre-order these. They look pretty nice. Alrighty. <clears throat> so. And now time for movie news. That one's you, Sean. Yeah, kind of sad, crappy news in the movie industry. Uh, Disney had to announce that James Gunn would be removed as director of the Guardians of the Galaxy series after a batch of old social media uh, it says dispatches. <laughs> Why did they use that word in the article? That seems funny. Uh, social media dispatches, I believe they were tweets, uh, were unearthed that touched on areas like pedophilia and rape. And the latest shocking hashtag me to develop Payment industry gun was severed from the Marvel Comics universe after a slew of social media posts he wrote before getting Guardians of the Galaxy surfaced. Um, so, I mean – that's it, man. He's he's out. He's no longer you know part of the Disney uh, Marvel universe. He will not be directing the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy three. Uh, I don't think they show the tweets in this article um, that I linked to, but I read some of the stuff. You know, I read some of the tweets. Um, oh yeah, I guess they do quote a couple of them here, but uh, like I read some of the ones and like. There was some really dark stuff, man. Like it was like, and it, and it wasn't even funny, you know. Uh, and I feel like if you're making a joke, you damn well better it better be funny, you know. If you're gonna be talking about content like that, you know what I mean? Uh, or uh, or something like this is absolutely bound to happen. So, and you can probably get away with discussing these kinds of topics if the joke is funny because i feel like you should be able to talk about anything you know uh if the joke is funny um i don't think there's anything that's really not a joking matter i don't you know what i mean um yeah but it, this shit was not funny i read a bunch of the tweets now it was in a it was in a stupid article about ted cruz where the constitutional lawyer was saying that this guy needs to be prosecuted for what he said prosecuted for what he said i mean this coming from a constitutional law i mean it just it was absurd however he did in his article or in his post or whatever when he was condemning this guy uh uh you know put up a bunch of the tweets and i read them and was just like this is garbage none of this is even remotely funny so i don't know where he was coming from with all of this and uh and and i don't i don't disagree in any way with disney's 
move here. So it was probably well-deserved. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't, can't say too much because you know, when it comes down to it, I, I was all for the, uh, ousting of Roseanne for her tweets. Um, But what I what I want to ask is, would people have felt the same way if that tweet from Roseanne went unnoticed, you know, for a couple of years and then resurfaced? Do do we do we hold people accountable? Like, how old were these tweets? Does it say old? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know if it specifically says in this article, but they were they were old. They were from before Guardians of the Galaxy existed. Okay, so uh, do we do we hold people accountable for things they've said in the past? You know, do we do we believe that people can't grow and change? Right. You know, if he had said these things today, I would feel completely different about it. But being that, you know, we all grow, we all change, we all start as, you know, immature little jackasses and make our way up into what we can only hope is productive and fitting members of society. But do we hold ourselves accountable for being the immature little jackasses while we're being them, no matter how old you are when you are at that stage? Well, and they mention it in this deadline article here, kind of what you're talking about, uh, because this is becoming the thing now is that, you know, everyone's having, you know, that's the internet. Everybody's having their old stuff unearthed and, uh, and they're being held accountable for it. And it actually just held, it just happened the other day after the baseball all-star game, the Milwaukee Brewers pitcher, Josh Hader pitched in the game that night, uh, when he left the all-star game on Tuesday night, and walked into the locker room and probably before he got into the locker room because the all-star game is just a spectacle and all the guys have their phones out on the field and they're taking selfies and they're interviewing with the booth while they're playing the game and things like that. It's a real fun affair. So they probably knew about it before he even went in the locker room, but someone had unearthed a bunch of uh, homophobic and racist tweets that he made in 2012 when he was still in high school. And uh, now he's a major league baseball pitcher in the all-star game and uh, and he had said a bunch of shit like that back in 2012 on Twitter and the moment he hit the locker room he had you know media just hounding him you know and he immediately had to issue public apologies and you know have talks with his teammates who are of course of all kinds of varying ethnic uh, descents it's major league baseball so you know uh, this just happened the other day you know it's not uh, it's and and as you can see you know this is a baseball player and uh, and and he may be an all-star but he's a relief pitcher you know it's not like this is you know one of the big names in the game you know what I mean like this is just a guy who's playing well at what he He's doing and because he is doing well at what he's doing at what he does uh people have dug into all of the stuff that he's said in the past and and comments that he's made like that and and now he's being held accountable and and you know he's apologized so yeah and see i don't think it's i i don't think it's right to hold people accountable for the mistakes of their past you know um sure Hold, give them consequences and hold them accountable for the mistakes of today. 
but it's kind of almost like a statue of limitations, you know? Uh, once once things that they've done go far enough into the past, it is the past. They're a different person today. You know, at their core, they may be kind of the same, but you can't assume that someone who is racist in high school is going to be racist today. Because, frankly, and if we have any younger children who listen to this, which I'm not sure why the hell your parents let you do that, but <laughs> <laughs> if we do, I'm sorry, but you don't know much when you're in high school you really don't you think you know everything but you don't you know once you grow up you realize how little you know so your your entire view on the world changes when you get bigger you know get older um and some people just take longer to hit that point than others so that could be the situation with james gunn he may have just taken longer to hit the point where he found his you know found himself and found his way and stop being a immature jackass you know so i i don't know i mean i'm torn because if somebody you know if somebody is gonna tweet something like this they need to be held accountable but i don't know if we need to dig into people's past to find stuff like this right you know words are words and when it comes yeah. right down to it we live in a society where words are supposed to be able to be thrown around freely without too much trouble um so i I don't well. necessarily agree with. I don't agree with them firing him. I think they uh, public apology, sure, stuff like that. You know, fine. I don't know if firing him was the way to go. I I mean, if you're going to hold people accountable for all the shit they've said in the past and the horrible things they've done and said, then uh, you know, let's take it to the top because there's the leader of our nation hasn't been held accountable for any of the awful, awful fucking things that he has said in the past no. or done. Yeah. So, Well, most of the studio executives that uh, fired Gunn haven't been held accountable for the things they've done, you know? So it, everybody's corrupt. Everybody's broken in their own way. <sighs> that was depressing. Thanks, Sean. You're welcome. <laughs> Let me lighten the mood. LOL, OMG, WTF. Was that? So I don't know if you've been following the story. I've kind of lackluster leap and following it but there was a sarcophagus unearthed um in alexandria egypt and it was a black unmarked sarcophagus i mean nothing screams mummy movie like that right <clears throat> so uh sure. had a it was buried with a giant <laughs> alabaster head and like i said this is a, just a black no marking sarcophagus well, they finally decided to open it up. They got it open. Uh, inside is basically three skeletons that they assume are probably some sort of warriors because of injuries that they've sustained. Uh, no curses. So you got that. We got that going for us. Uh, however, now people are signing a change.org petition to allow... Uh, <laughs> so gross. Almost made me gag. <laughs> um, the, so the skeletons what? are floating in like a red sewage-like substance, the liquid. Um, authorities are saying it's probably sewage drainage that leaked into the sarcophagus from nearby sources. However, a change.org petition wants authorities to, quote, let people drink the red liquid from the dark sarcophagus. 
And it has at well, let me see if I can go to the petition real quick and see if we can update a count of signatures. Holy shit! Really, eleven thousand. The article says eight hundred eighty people. Right now at eleven thousand nine hundred and two, and I swear to God, five people signed up since I looked at this. (laughs) (laughs) The petition poses drinking the bone broth. Quote, in the form of some carbonated <laughs> energy drink so we can assume its powers and finally die. What? <laughs> I don't understand any of this. Although this line is funny, it says, Please stop telling me the skeleton juice is mostly sewage, they say in an update. That's impossible. Everyone knows skeletons cannot poop. Exactly. <laughs> Holy shitballs. I don't even... <laughs> I don't even know where to go with, I mean, this is the dumbest thing. (laughs) Makes me want to puke just looking at it and thinking about somebody carbonating that and putting it into a beverage. Oh, my God. The fact that someone even thought to, uh, that is the stupidest petition I've ever, I can't even imagine someone came up with that. That is ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, see here. 14 people have signed it since we uh, since we talked about this. <laughs> I, I mean... Idiots. Oh All of idiots. Yeah. Oh, my God, people. Even if it's not sewage. Even if it's not. It's... I mean, it can only be one other thing. And that's decomposed bodies. Which is not any better. At all. Ugh, God, I can't even look at it anymore. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, and Mashable. Thank you for the uh, thought of a bone flavored Lacroix. Lacroix was bad enough before you put bone flavored in front of it. Ugh, yuck. All right. Anyway, next flicks. <sighs> we are going to be covering movies from. The 23rd, when this will debut, until the 3rd. Uh, let's see here. So, man, it is it is almost August. Can you believe that? That is nuts. That's how time works. I know. Thanks, Captain Obvious. It always passes. Fuck you, Sean. Anyway. So, let's get into it. <clears throat> These will be July 27th. Mission Impossible, Fallout. Uh, Tom Cruise, Vanessa Kirby, Simon Pegg, Henry Cavill, uh, Alec Baldwin. Oh, that's not bad. Mission Impossible, Fallout finds Ethan Hunt and his IMF team, along with some familiar allies, in a race against time after a mission gone wrong. More of that shit. More of that shit. That's a good synopsis. (laughs) I'll watch it when it comes out on Netflix or something. You know, I think I've seen all the other ones. I think I've seen them all. I may go to theaters for it. I I like. I might have missed. I might have missed one or two. I don't know. It's really hard when like they don't specifically say like say like number one, number two. Like when they start giving them names like Ghost Protocol. You know, I'm like I don't I don't remember. I don't remember where that falls, and I don't remember if I watched it or not. I think it was number four. So, yeah. All right. Teen Titans go to the movies. (laughs) Oh, this looks funny. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. 
Kristen Bell, Will Arnett, um, Greg Kipes, Scott Menvel, Tara Strong. Uh, uh, okay. When the Teen Titans go to the big screen, they go big. Teen Titans go to the movies, finds our egocentric, wildly satirical superheroes in their first feature film extravaganza. A fresh, gleeful, clever, kid-appropriate, crass, and tongue-in-cheek play on the superhero genre. Lots of words. <laughs> Complete with musical numbers. Um, it seems to the Teen Titans. That, All right, next. Yeah, it was way too long. It was way too right. long. Uh, um, but it looks funny. Yeah. The, uh, the trailer looks funny. Uh, the, the, of course, the bit that I keep seeing is the uh, like uh, him and uh, Deathstroke. And he's like, are you Deadpool? I'm pretty sure you're Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love the Teen Titans Go cartoon. I watch it all the time with my daughter. She loves it. Uh, we will be in the theaters watching this. Yeah, it looks it looks funny. I I wouldn't mind seeing this movie at all. I actually had somebody tell me it's basically Deadpool for children. Uh, I yeah, that. I can see that. Absolutely, yeah. sure, sure. I get where they're coming from. It's the same way that like um, Batman: The Brave and the Bold was, or uh, what is it? The uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, I think, is what it is. Anytime the ki- like Ultimate Spider-Man does it a lot. Like he breaks the fourth wall constantly yeah, and like talks I've, to the screen and stuff. I've seen that yeah, and they do like little like uh, I don't know what you want to call them like vignettes or whatever like cutaways, you know, cutscenes where like they'll be in the middle of like the action and then all of a sudden they'll go to a cutscene where it's like a little caricature, a little cartoony S- Spider Man who does something silly and you know uh, uh, almost like a Family Guy esque kind of thing, you know, where they do like cutaways like that. Yeah. Um, so I would I would say it's the same kind of deal. It's you know almost like a Deadpool for kids, you know, uh, without all of the you know crass humor. So it looks funny. Cool. All right. Uh, we're now on to August 3rd. Uh, the Darkest Minds. Um, Am- Amadala Stenberg, Mandy Moore, Harris Dickinson, Mark O'Brien. When teens mysteriously develop powerful new abilities, they are declared a threat by the government and detained. 16-year-old Ruby, one of the most powerful young people anyone has ever encountered, escapes her camp and joins a group of runaway teens seeking safe haven. Soon, this newfound family realizes that in a world in which the adults in power have betrayed them, running is not enough, and they must wage a resistance, using their collective power to take back control of their future. I'm surprised you let me get through that whole one. I was just thinking about it. Uh, honestly, I should have nexted it's it because rebellion. now that I've it's teenage yeah, rebellion. I mean, well, yeah, I just <laughs> it doesn't sound like anything I'd be interesting in uh, interested in. It sounds like uh, it sounds like like Maze Runner with uh-huh. magic. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't look like anything to me. Yeah, <laughs> meh. <laughs> Uh, I'm weird. I'm weirdly interested in this one. I I don't know. Disney's Christopher Robin, Erin mm. McGregor, Haley Atwell, Jim Cummings, Brad Garnett, Garrett. Um, in the heartwarming live action adventure, Disney's Christopher Robin, the young boy who shared countless adventures with his band of lovable stuffed animals in Hundred Acre Wood, is now grown up and living in London, but he has lost his way. Now it's up to his childhood friends to venture into our world and help Christopher Robin rediscover the joys of family life, the value of friendship. Next. Nah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a mushy movie. It really is. But it'd be interesting to see Erin McGregor 
you know, as Christopher Robin. And, it's an interesting concept, yeah. but uh, it'll, it'll, be, it'll probably be a good t- uh, kids movie. Right. But it it's is an interesting concept, movie. but I, yeah, I don't think it's something for me. That's all we care about, Sean. Right. It's all they should. Yeah. All right. Uh, The Spy Who Dumped Me. Uh, Kate McKinnon. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Kate McKinnon, Mila Kunis, Justin Thoreau, uh, Gillian Anderson. Let's see here. The film tells the story of Audrey and Morgan, 30-year-old best friends from Los Angeles who are unexpectedly thrust into an international conspiracy when Audrey's ex-boyfriend shows up at her apartment with a team of deadly assassins on his trail. Next. That's enough. Yeah, probably. It might be funny. (laughs) I've seen the trailer for this. Yeah. But. Uh, I don't know. I've seen the trailer for it. It does. Uh, it did not even look like something that I, 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 it looked like something I would probably have to be cajoled into watching if I ran across it on Netflix, you know, like I'd have to be sitting there like looking for something to watch for like an hour and like my wife look at me and just be like, would you pick something already? You know, like that's what, that's what that movie is. Uh, all right. Uh, I think that's all we got. So, uh, Sean, what the hell you been up to? Well, uh, the other I don't know if the show has been on Netflix the entire time or if they just recently added it or began adding it or what not added it. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Okay. Then comedians in cars getting coffee uh, is now on Netflix and, uh, I had never watched the show before and they put it on Netflix, uh, in collections, which I quickly realized was not the original airing you know, the order the show was aired in, but regardless, uh, it was still entertaining to watch and I'm still watching them. And so, uh, I've been watching comedians in cars getting coffee, which is Jerry Seinfeld, uh, in a fancy car, uh, picking up a celebrity comedian friend of some sort and going on a small little adventure sometimes. And then just going to a restaurant, having coffee, having lunch and just discussing comedy and, you know, uh, pop culture, you know, whatever, you know, it's just like, it's almost like a podcast. It's almost like a video podcast because it's literally just two people having a conversation. Uh, you know, they talk about the car. You know, he tries to pick a car that's kind of relevant to you know uh, uh, whatever guest he's having on the show. And uh, and we've been watching that. I, I think it's a really cool show. I'm glad I uh, I'm glad I watched it. You know, uh, it's uh, it's something light and quick and easy to watch because the episodes are only like 15, 20 minutes at most sometimes. And he he does go out with a lot of really cool really interesting uh people in the in the comedy industry so i assume you've watched this before i have watched it i watched it on youtube a lot um i like the episode where he interviewed the president he interviewed barack obama that was really interesting yeah, that was a good one. It was it was funny because they you know they 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 went to go for their drive or whatever and did the little bit where he tried to drive out of the White House grounds and the security guard was like, no, you know that's not going to happen. And and then so they just let the president drive the fancy car like around the White House grounds a little bit, you know, and they had coffee in the White House where you know Jerry usually takes the celebrities out somewhere. But uh, it was still pretty funny. It was a good it was a good conversation. It was a you know Obama was very uh, sharp. You know he's a sharp witted guy. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, in addition to that, 
something that I referred to earlier in the show was I have been recently watching, I think they've aired two episodes now on True TV, a, uh, a horror comedy anthology TV series. So when I first saw the previews for it, it reminded me of an anthology TV series that was on TV last year called uh, um, The Guest Book. And it was done by the guy who did My Name is Earl. And it was just all these different, you know, weird stories that would take place in this in this uh, lake house, this cabin that people would rent for the week. And uh, and and then and then True TV began running advertisements for this. And it's, it's called Bobcat Goldthwaite's Misfits and Monsters. And uh, and Bobcat Goldthwaite is like the creator director. I don't know if he wrote all of the different sh- episodes or what, but, uh, you know, he's the mind behind the show. And, uh, and this reminded me of that and, uh, and except with like, you know, a horror bend to it. And, uh, they've aired two episodes. The first one I watched had, uh, Seth Green in it and he played, uh, this dude who voiced, uh, like a silly cartoon, like a silly kid's cartoon character. And, um, and like you know, went insane. And the 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 character that he voiced came to life and was you know criticizing him and and attacking him physically and threatening to kill him for the fact that you know he made his character dumb and stupid and you know he wants to be smart and he wants to be you know a badass or whatever. And they make his character, his cartoon character, so dumb and so he comes to like get vengeance for it and it drives Seth Green crazy. Uh, and then another episode that. They they aired i just watched had uh, david keckner and uh, dave foley both in it and uh, david keckner played like a slimy shady used car salesman and dave foley was like a political uh, uh um, strategist and he comes and 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 convinces david keckner that he he should run for president of the united states and all this kind of stuff and it turns out that david keckner is a werewolf and uh, and it and it becomes known and so they like you know basically like kind of like make fun of the or or parallel the whole you know uh, Trump administration or the Trump uh, uh, election uh, by you know like it's well known that he's a werewolf and so now they have to convince everyone that they want a werewolf president and stuff like that and it was a really funny episode so uh, I, I've been enjoying that Bobcat Goldthwaite's Misfits and Monsters so. And that's what it reminded me of when we were talking about Creepshow earlier being a horror anthology, but it's it doesn't have any comedy in it like that, you know. Like I watch this because it's funny, not because I'm a big fan of the horror genre. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, for me, I recently bought an HTC Vive VR headset and controllers. I've been spending a lot of time playing that. Uh, I got Raw Data and Arizona Sunshine. Raw Data is a wave shooter uh, that is sci-fi based. You're shooting robots. Um, Arizona Sunshine is a story-driven zombie shooter. Uh, both of them are really good. Really get you into them. It's a little rough to play VR for too horribly long. You know, as long as I normally play video games, because you get tired. Honestly, standing in one spot and um, you know, ducking and moving around, it's actually kind of a workout. So it might be nice. It's like yeah. the same argument I had for why I never wanted to play a damn Wii. 
Yeah. Like, is... I don't want to do that when I play video games. Like, I just want to sit here on the floor <laughs> on the, in a chair or something and just stare at the television. Yeah, it is a different experience, though, because you, you do have the motion controllers, but they are so well tracked by the hardware and software that, honestly, it feels like they're just your hands. Um, especially in shooter games, because the handle feels like the handle of a gun, and you have a trigger, so your brain doesn't know the difference that much. Um, it's it's really cool. I mean, it's absolutely mind blowing when you really get into it. Um, it does take a little bit to decompress, though, after you've played. Uh, just your brain has to reacclimate to real life, which is kind of odd altogether. Um, and last night I have, I don't have any problems with motion sickness or anything like that at all. Uh, and I tip, it typically takes a lot to make me motion sick. However, last night I did play my spaceship sim, uh, elite dangerous in VR and it's unbelievable because you're literally sitting in the ship and you can look around and everything like that. But my God, (laughs) getting into a space dog fight battle in the middle of one of uh, like the rings of a planet, kind of like Jupiter, with VR is just stomach turning. I <laughs> I played for like five minutes and I had to put it down. I was starting to get sick. So yeah, I have a feeling I would react the same way too. <laughs> yeah. Um. So other than that, I went to see two different movies over the last uh, week or so. <laughs> Uh, Would You Be My Neighbor, the documentary about Mr. Rogers. Uh, It was very good. Uh, Great documentary, Um, you know, talking to the people that were involved and everything like that, showing, you know, a chronological timeline of everything that uh, Fred Rogers did. Um, Really brings you to the point where you realize, you know, once he died, there's really no people that good in the world right now, and we need another Mr. Rogers because he was just genuinely such a good person. Um, so that that was good. That was a really good uh, movie. Also, I went to see Ant Man and the Wasp, the uh, sequel to Ant Man. Uh, very fun, great fun action movie. If you like the first one, you'll love the second one. Um, I love Paul Rudd as a superhero because he's so not a superhero. Right. It's, it really makes it, you know. So I want I want more Ant-Man for sure. So, all right. We are uh, we're all done here. Um, Sean, we're going to come up with a LaCroix flavor for the bone juice. What do you think it's what do you think what flavors go with bone uh, I'm thinking like a bone dragon fruit blend <laughs> dragon fruit yeah why not <laughs> or blood orange <laughs> uh, there you go yeah it's uh it's lacroix bone and blood orange how's that sounds delicious get the marketing team on that really surprised he wanted to make it uh, carbonated. Why carbonated? I don't. I, why drink it at all? <laughs> I guess that would be the best Stupid. question.
Stop trying to tell me that it's mostly sewage. We all know skeletons can't poop. <laughs> I mean, you can't argue with his logic. Right. Uh, 